0: I'm excited about this opportunity that we have and that we've done specifically just to dive into God's Word on this. This book, as we've talked about, the book of Colossians, is a very important book. It was written by Paul to the church in Colossae that was going through a really difficult time with some false teaching. We're going to talk about that in the next chapter there of the clarity that Paul wanted to bring to and what the central point of this whole message was. But you know, they were living in a time where this issue of tolerance and they were being torn between, in many cases, the church, what they knew they believed, what they knew was right, what they knew was God's Word and God's will. But they were in a battle in their culture because to do business or where they had to be in all of that, there was this idea they had to not just accept other differences or differences of opinion, but they literally had to agree with it and align their lives with that other if they wanted to run their business and do other things. And so it's a very important letter for us at this time. We're continuing in this series, a letter to modern day Colossians. That's us. That's the battle that we're in. We're in it in our schools and so forth. And this isn't a political statement. This is a spiritual statement that God is saying, your nation is in a battle. And He's calling on us as believers and followers of Jesus Christ to make a decision about how we're going to live our life, if we're going to align it with God's Word and God's will, or if we're going to bend to a culture just to get along and not muddy the water. You understand? And that's where God has us here. Our day, our message today is, the title is very simple, it's just called The Right Target, The Right Target. The big idea on this is, if we're not shooting for the right target, we will miss the mark or be disqualified, and the right target for us, each of us, must be Christ. If our target is not Jesus Christ, the evil one, and I've had people say, do you actually believe there's a devil, there's a Satan, there's an evil one? Are you kidding me? Seriously? Seriously? And it's not just because I believe what is in God's Word. I understand that. Look around, people. (laughs) If you don't believe there's a battle going on for your very soul and for the life of generations that follow us, we've missed it, haven't we? There is this horrendous battle that's taking place that God tells us and we're right in the midst of that. And that's what Paul is writing about here. So we've gotta have the right target. I'm gonna start off by telling you a story. I wanna to apologize to our guys that, I guess it was three months ago at our Monday morning man up, I shared this story. The guy says, why would you share a story you've already told us? I says, I'm in the slow reading group. A lot of times I need to hear it over and over again. Are you with me? So for you guys that were there, maybe we just need to hear it again. But for so many here, it's going to be fresh. And I want to talk about this idea of the right target. It was a headline many years ago. It was about a young shooter. He was 21 years old at the time. And the, the headline that was written in the first newspaper said, Shooter's Mentality. Emmons was this guy's name, Matt Emmons, right? Keeps his focus on the target. And then comes the story that was published from that interview there. When they asked this young man about the upcoming Olympics, it, I'll date it. It was in Athens when they were taking place. He was the odds-on favorite to win gold, not just a gold medal, but multiple gold medals. That was what was expected. That's what he had already proven. When you look at this guy, he was 21 years old. He had already won three individual titles, four team titles, just in the NCAA. And at the age of 21, he had won at the World Championships at the 50-meter prone rifle shot. As I read the article, there are several things that struck me on this. But not the least of which was, for this young man, the most important thing was focusing on the target. He just had to focus, take away everything else. Regardless of what was happening around, he had to focus on the target. He was asking in an interview about the size of the target. Now, I want you to get this. I'll read this to you. This was his quote. The 50-meter, okay, perspective, a half a football field start at the goal line, and go to the coin toss in the middle, 50 meters. That's what he's shooting at, right? The 50-meter bullseye is about five or six inches across. You get this? All right? Five or six inches across, 10 centimeters. But what you're trying to hit is the 10th ring. You see, you can say, well, I hit the target, but you're out here on this outer one. There's 10 of them there. Do you get that? Now, here's the size of it the inside ring that you're actually going to hit that you can't miss. He says, if you miss this more than once or twice, you're not going to position for a medal. You're not going to win anything. And he says, but here's, here's the size of the thing, right? You can only miss it once or twice, maybe sometimes three. He asked about the pressure on this thing and how big this thing was. And he goes, this is the easiest match that I shoot. There's something about me. I perform better in bigger competitions. It's something, now listen to this. It's something I train really hard for. Now, I just want you to pause and think about this. We know what sports, things like that, we've watched athletes. I can think of one that won the Heisman Trophy and an absolute flop because he quit training. The things that got him there, he didn't continue those after he reached a certain level, right? But here's what he says about this inner circle. He says, How big is that? And he goes, Well, he gives the dimensions, but then he says, It's about the size of your fingernail on your pinky. This is how big it is 50 meters. He's looking, now I know he's got scope and all of that stuff, but get this. That's the target. But then he goes on and he says, and that one right there, right? That's divided into 10. So just hitting something that size right there, your round can go and hit the edge of it, and you're on the outside of this thing. And to these shooters, they would go, you know, <laughs> I, I guess that was a good shot. But that really wasn't the target. The target was dead center on this. So here's what happens. He's already won one gold medal. He's lined up, and all he needs is a 7.2 on a score. I know that doesn't mean much, and I had to look at this, but here's the deal. The lowest score that he had had so far that day was 9.3. Okay? Okay. He's light years ahead of this. He's got one shot remaining. That's it. And everybody's waiting, not for the shot. That's not what they were waiting for. They were waiting to cheer after the score was posted. Because the moment it was posted, anything from 7 2 up, he had just won the gold medal for the United States. So, Matt Edmund, he's there, prone position. He shoots, and he waits, and finally it says he turned around to the guy in the red jacket and he says, I shot, and there's nothing, there's no score, there's no response, and they waited, and then they announced the score, zero. How is this possible? What happened to Matt Emmons was very simple. He did something that he hadn't done in six or seven years. He fired at the wrong target. He was in lane two, and he hit the target in lane three. And had they counted that, it was an 8.7, 8.9, but it was in the wrong lane. It was in the wrong target, and he missed it completely. But there was a response that came after this when they asked him about this. There was a level of maturity that this young man showed. And he said this, he was questioned about it. No excuses, no blame, no anger. And he says, "Uh, I made a mistake, but I'll live to shoot again. And I read that and I think about all of us, never mind you, most of you you know, you don't experience sin or have a past or anything like that to deal with. So you can just look at me and focus on this. But how many times you think you've hit the wrong target and you think it's over now? God will never love me. God will never forgive me. I've lost the purpose in my life. I've made a mistake. It's cost that's it. And here he is, 21-year-old young man with a level of maturity that says, I made a mistake. I aimed at and shot the wrong target. But it's okay. I'll live to shoot again. And maybe that's the message before we go any farther for some people sitting here today. You've hit the wrong target. You've made a mistake. You're wondering how God could put up with a person like you. If everybody, you know, the statement that always gets me is, When a guy, particularly women, you don't do this, but guys do. We'll go, man, Chuck, you don't understand. If God only knew, newsflash, God knows everything. Your past, your present, and your future, he's right there with you. So when you look at me and you go, Chuck, you don't understand. If God only knew, trust me, he knows. Okay? So here's the other thing, too that really struck me in this. Matt Emmons went from a gold medal, one shot, one round, to going eighth. What it did though on that Olympics, you know, there's always a medal count, which country medals the highest. Do you realize that, and no, this isn't speaking politically about China or any country, but it allowed China that got the gold medal to move ahead of the United States and those Olympics. Now here was the message I took from that. It had nothing to do with the countries. It reminded me once again that yes, my actions affect me, and I am responsible for my actions. I'm responsible for the things that I say and the things that I do. But like Matt Emmons, he was on a team. Peeps, you're my peeps. I'm on this team. What I do also reflects on you, but get this, saints, what you do, driving a restaurant with your neighbors or wherever, do you understand? What you do affects you, but what you do also affects God's team because you're a critical player on God's team, and he doesn't have a second team. Every one of you are on God's first team. So let's dive into the Word, see what God tells us here. You know, first thing here is, I go back, to, and it's not in Colossians yet, but in Romans seven fifteen, the Apostle Paul says, for I do not understand what I am doing, because I do not get His words. I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. You know, there's a lot of ways to interpret that word practice. And I'll just give you two of them. We use the word practice in terms of our action, right? But we also, the word practice means, what do you prepare for? What do you train for over and over? So that, as God says, he will give you a new nature. But it is that preparation, that practicing that you do over and over again. There's a lot that we learn when we practice well. And we've got a lot of our young people. Cooper's here out for football his first year. Come on, Cooper. Love that, buddy. But I'll guarantee you something. He's learning some things in practice that he hadn't done before that's expected of him. And the only way he's going to be good at it is to practice it over and over. And that's what God is telling us here. We've got a lot to get through here. There are several thoughts, though, in this in Colossians And we're still in the first chapter, and we're starting in verse 15. But here's the deal. In this part right here, 15 through 29, first chapter, we could easily do two or three months just on Colossians. I have at times. But here's the deal. These 15 verses, you know, when the Apostle Paul says, you know, and Jesus says, through the Holy Spirit, but we're told, some of you are still on milk and you should be on meat. And we've had that analogy We've got to get these scriptures right here because they're filled with meat. In verses 15 through 23 in God's Word here, this is about the centrality of Jesus Christ. That is what he's talking about here. In those nine verses, first ones, what the Apostle Paul is telling the church in Colossae, what he's telling Chuck Stecker and us as we read this is, and that's why it's so important that we read this book together, make a commitment to do that. And you know, some of you are sitting here and you go, Chuck, I appreciate that. Some may say, well, I haven't really read the Bible in its entirety. Some of you, you know, you're getting older by the day, aren't you, Randy? Happy birthday. Nice to have you with us, young guy. And I can tell you he's read this multiple times, but I'm telling you, we need to read it again at our age, don't we, Randy? Okay. It is his birthday today too. I think he's 40 for the 29th time or something, 28th time, right in there. But that's how we count this. But here it is, the centrality. And then he's going to pick it up there, and then he's going to tell us now as a result of Jesus Christ being the center of our lives, that he gives us a purpose, and Paul states this to them, to make the Word of God fully known. And I want us to get this because we can make the Word of God fully known by our words and the teaching and so forth, but the greatest way to To make the Word of God fully known is how we live our lives. And are we different because we know Jesus Christ, or are we just the same as we always were, we've just read a book and we occasionally go to church? That's not what God's asking us. That's not what God's heart for us is. But He says, because we make Jesus Christ the center of our lives, right, this is how we make the Word of God fully known. So now let's just pick up those verses there. I'm going to read them for us. We start 15 and 16, and here's what he says. He is, and I want you to get, as we put the words up, if you focus and listen, and maybe you just close your eyes and listen, and you'll go back and read it or have read it. But I want you to focus on these words. He is by him, and then listen for these, he has. So if you get that, right, and he says this. In these nine verses right here, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is telling the church in Colossae, let's get the target right. You know, right dead center there. Don't settle for hitting the rim of this out here. I mean, gosh, it's actually that big. Who couldn't hit that at a half a football field? You know what I mean? But the reality is he's saying, we got to get this right. And he starts off by saying to them, just listen to this. He is, and by Him, and as a result, He has. So listen to it here. Verse 15 starts off this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by Him. Did you get it? In heaven, on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And here's what he's saying here, just the things to focus on. Did you get that? He is by him. And then at the end of the verse, what's he saying? Through him. Now let's look at 17 and 18. He says this. You ready? He is. That isn't could be, might be, should be, you know. He is referring to Jesus Christ before all things and by him by him all things hold together he is also the head of the body the church he is the beginning the firstborn from the dead so that we he might come to have first place in everything and here again we hear it he is he is He doesn't want us to forget that. And then we go to verse 19. Verse 19, he writes, For God was pleased to have all his fullness. God is saying, God was pleased to have all of God's fullness dwell, here it comes, in him. And through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood, and shed cross. And so God just continues with this. There's so much power he's saying in the word of God that he gives us here. And as we continue through this in verse 21 and 22, and this is power. This is as as a result. You get this? We know who he is, what he has done, and God's given us this, but here's what he's saying now. And it's kind of like the apostle Paul, and again, through the Holy Spirit, it's one of these where he is He's hitting with this, hitting with this, and then it's almost like he goes into this fatherly role. You know what I'm saying? And he goes, okay, but let me just share my heart with you. And then he says this, once you were alienated, hostile in your minds, expressed by your evil actions. And a lot of people sitting as Christians go, well, I I may make mistakes, but I don't think I'm evil. And when God defines evil for us, it's anything that's different than his desire. What are you saying? Anything that misses the mark for us on this here. But now get this. He says that, and I know you can kind of get the feeling that Paul's saying this in love to him. Okay? Yeah, he says, and it's kind of like he's saying, listen, saints, before Jesus Christ, we were all different, weren't we? I mean, of all people that can say that, you think of the Apostle Paul that held the the robes while they stoned Stephen. You know, we can get this, can't we? That before Jesus Christ, and he expresses, but then he says this, oh, but now he, God, has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you. And listen to these words, saints. If you ever felt unworthy, If you ever felt like your mistakes were too big for God to deal with, just come back and read this again. Because he said, look, here's what you did because of your mind. You were evil. Let's get over that. You made mistakes. You did things that I think I did that broke God's heart. But then he says, but he has reconciled you. Now listen to this. To present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. Can you grab onto those words for just a minute? Holy, faultless, and blameless before him. So right now, what he has said is, through this part here, he is, and therefore he has, and as a result of that, this is what's available for us. And then he says, but here's what he's done. He's seen everything you've done wrong. He spent a lot more time looking at all the things that I did wrong. That's okay. I took a lot of pressure off of all of you. Oh, and believe me, Billy will tell you, been married 46 years, and all but about that first 10 have been pretty good. She had to really work on this one for us. you understand? I'm so grateful she hung in there, okay? But here's the reality of it. God knows all of that, and then what does he say to us? He says, but it's okay, but because of Jesus Christ, not because of you or me, we are presented holy, faultless, and blameless. And then he finishes up with this. In verse 23, he tells us this. Indeed, you, if you remain steadfast, grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. The gospel has been proclaimed in all creation, under, and I am now a servant of it. And here's what he says here. There's the words here where he talks about being rooted in this, right? And he says, if you remain grounded and steadfast. So wait, that follows on with the previous verse, doesn't it? It says, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you, and here's our words, holy, faultless, and blameless before him. And in God's word right there, it's got a little dash But it doesn't end that sentence now we roll into 23 and what does it say if if indeed you remain grounded and steadfast and he tells us specifically in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you've already heard you know one of the things there when we look at this issue if you've ever fired a weapon and i think of the mad ammons and I, i fired weapons at different times and so forth Steadfast, grounded, everything about it, even your breathing in that moment. Steadfast, grounded, deep breath, let it out. Focus on the right target because we can do all of those things, but if we're looking at the wrong target, we will miss the mark on this. In God's Word, he tells us in Corinthians, So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is internal. But what he's talking about is, what's your focus? Are you so focused on the things of this world? Are you so focused on the things of this culture and what's happening that you're not focused on the one who died for you and for me? Are you missing it? Because we're so focused on the current that we're missing the eternal in what God has for us. God goes on to say in Psalm 147.11 regarding the hope that he speaks about here. And he says, God tells us in 147.11, the Lord values those who fear him. Now get this, those who put their hope in his faithful love we got to get this right. And, you know, God's a God of confirmation. One of the things that he does is he confirms things. And in doing so, you know, when we look over, and you've heard me use these, and these scriptures are very important to me here in Ephesians 3 through 16. They're not going to be on the board. I just want you to just soak this in, if you will. This is Paul's letter that he writes to the church in Ephesus. But let me just read you a few of the verses, and we get this grounded, steadfast rooted he says that i pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit and that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith i pray that you now here it is We talked about grounded and steadfast. And here's God's confirmation that keeps coming. He's not a one-time tell you, walk away. But he keeps reminding us as a good father. These are the things that are important. He says, and I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. He's saying, I want you to get this. The length, the width, the height, the depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. I thought about this when I was reading this and going back to the size of the target that Matt Emmons was trying to hit. And here God says, but look, here's the target. And my prayer is, is that you get how high, how wide, how deep, that you get all the dimensions of the target. And see, unlike Matt Ammons at a half a football field, Shooting at a target like this, that's still divided into ten, God's saying, based on what I've already done, the target I have for you is so easily reachable if you set your sights on the right target. But if you're distracted, that target may seem pretty small. But when you focus and you look at what God is doing and the desire of his heart right and what he has for us, he's saying, I want you to get, I want you to grasp the size of the target I have for you. Then, when you can see that empty cross and understand what Christ did through his shed blood, his body dying, lying in a tomb, but being resurrected by the Father himself, to sit at the right hand of God the Father almighty, oh my goodness. And knowing that God said, no one comes to me except through the Father, that's it. But he loves everyone so much that he makes that pathway. I know the verse says the gate is narrow, but let me just tell you, it doesn't matter how big the gate is when God opens it and you make a decision to walk through. I've walked through gates this big very comfortably because I knew where I was at, where I was going, and why I was going through it. I've walked through other gates that I've literally had from my uncle, and I had to open this thing so the truck could get through it. Gates come in all sizes, but here's the thing. God gives you the gate that's the right size for you, and he gives you the pathway for you to walk through it without any difficulty whatsoever in all areas of our lives. And so when God tells us this, you know in that, We've got to get this right and this moment of truth for us here. And I had to ask myself this question. Can I say, not as a group, part of believers, where we ask God to grade on the curve, you know? I don't know about you, and I've explained that before. But, you know, I find too often, I you said, know, well, how's your faith? Well, I go to church, you know, basically saying, I sit with a bunch of Christians. Shouldn't that help? I mean, you know, well, what else? Well, I, I kind of go to this group here. I sit you know, where I'm surrounded by Christians. And it's kind of like the feeling that people are saying, you know, I think God is going to judge me by the groups that I'm in. You know, and if you look around on average, we're not bad. But God doesn't grade on an average. God doesn't grade us on a curve. God gives us one opportunity right here that is so clear. It is undeniable And it starts with the centrality of Jesus Christ in our lives and a decision in our life on how we're going to live. And here's the question. Am I looking at and focusing and shooting at the right target, which is nothing less than Jesus Christ? And as a result, am I, are we putting our hope in who He is by what was done by Him and what He has done for us? And now we go to the last few verses of chapter 1 here. And the last few verses of chapter 1, starting in verse 24, and God tells us this. He says in verse 24, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am contemplating in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's affliction for his body, that is, the church. And he's bringing us in to let us understand the primary issue is our right relationship with god through jesus christ but then he says and that's what the church is all about i have become its servant according to god's commission that was given to me for you to make known the word of god fully and that's what he gives us there and i'm just going to continue reading and we'll finish this off here And that is to make known the word of God fully, the mystery hidden for the ages and generations. That's why generations worship is so important. That's why our commitment to Summit Kids, Summit Students, a commitment to all ages. And then he goes on to say here, is now revealed to the saints. When it's revealed we have no excuse god wanted to make known among the gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery which is christ in you the hope of glory and we proclaim him warning teaching everyone with all the wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in christ and i labor for this striving in its strength that works for me god walks us through this and he tells us now As a result of making Jesus Christ center in your life, how are you going to live? And I will tell you this, I don't know a person who is absolutely sold out for Jesus Christ, that can live the same way they were before they knew Jesus. I don't know how it's possible. So the relationship and the right target here. And by the way, the word target. If you start with the word sin, the Greek and the Hebrew words kind of give three things to look at. One is this sin is against God. Okay, so we got that. But now to find sin, they give us two analogies for sin. One is missing the mark, failing to hit the target. One of them is being on the wrong path. Now get this, being on the wrong path means that you say you want to go someplace, but you've chosen a route that will not get you there. I talk to people and they say, I just want to grow stronger in my faith. And I said, what are you doing about it? Well, you know, right now I'm pretty busy. Really? What that tells me this Is that there's a place you say you want to go, but you're not willing to look at it. And come on, saints, we got Google Maps. I mean, how difficult can this be? A lot of us grew up in churches that didn't have Google. And we actually had to just read the Bible and other things. You know, you just say, Google this word right here. But I'm just saying the path is there for us. When you make a decision, this is what Christ is doing in my life. And I have no place else to go but to follow him your life will be radically changed in the process. I tell you that because very often I look at everything in life, people get frustrated with this, and my question is, well, what's your target? What are you looking at? Well, this person here bothers me, or this job over here is driving me nuts, this doing this, or you know, this neighborhood, and you go through all the thing, I'm going, my goodness, what is your target though? Have you lost sight of the fact that God has you there for a reason? God is doing some things for a reason that's way above our ways. And that you say, I want to hit the target though by making Jesus Christ the absolute center of my life. I'm going to do something as we close here. And that is simply this. Uh, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to put every head down, bowed, you know, the drill. But I'm going to ask you to search your hearts as I'm praying. And I'm going to ask you, would you be brave enough to ask God in prayer for yourself? If you've made Jesus Christ really, truly the center of your life. And be brave enough to say, God, if I haven't, tell me what I need to do. And then here's what's going to happen. I'm going to ask everybody to keep your heads down but i'm going to say if you're sitting here today and you can say i really haven't made jesus christ the center point of that target in my life and i want to commit today to say i'm going to make him the center part of my life and i want my life to make god's word famous in the world that i live in to make his word known by how I live my life with Jesus in the center. I'm just going to ask you then to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask anybody to do anything, but you've got to take some acts of faith here, don't you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we love you. Your word is so clear. It is, Father. It's truly clear for us. And it says this to us, Father, that because of who he is, what he has done, And as a result, what's available for us? Father, it's so very clear, your word says. I ask, Father, that you would speak to the hearts of every person here. I ask, Father, that they, each person sitting here, would be brave enough that in their own prayer, ask you if they've truly made Jesus Christ the center of their life. And if they haven't, Father, speak to them in love and truth. But if they're willing to say, I want Jesus Christ to be the center of my life. And I want God's word to be known by how I choose to live my life with Jesus in the center. If you're sitting here today, every head bowed, the eyes closed. And you would say, I have not truly made Jesus Christ the center of my life, but today is the day that I am saying, Jesus Christ will be the center of my life, and by living my life with Jesus in the center, I want to make God's word known to the world we live in. If that's you and making that decision today, just lift your hand right where you're at. Just lift your hand high right where you're at. Folks all over the auditorium, thank you, but now the proof is not to me, now Follow that up. Follow that up and continue to say, Jesus Christ is the center of my life. Father, I ask you to bless everyone here. Pour your heart out for them in such a way it's unmistakable. Let them feel your blessings and your favor. In Jesus' name and all of God's family said, amen.